Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Stories and scandal water. It's where you need to be. Stories and scandal water. Let's pour you a cup of tea. Hey, Ashley. Hello, Candy. I have a question for you. What is it? Have you done any home improvement projects since the pandemic started? Oh, you know, actually, I think I did. I think, yes, it was happening while the pandemic was happening, but not planned that way. We redid my office mm-hmm. in the front area, and I remember editing the show we were we did together, He Needed Killing, in the spare bedroom because everything was empty <laughs> in there. And because of the pandemic, I couldn't go and get anything. So a lot of my stuff in there, this is a shout out to the dollar store in my hometown because I used a lot of that stuff to decorate my office. So nice. yes, I did do a home nice. project. And I guess this library too. You did. I did that. I remember I did this. a lot of yeah. work mm-hmm. during yeah. the pandemic. We did as well. We turned my daughter's bedroom. She she moved out and has a real job now. Aww. So we turned her bedroom into an office. And it's sad to admit this, but for years we had the most boring front porch. And all of a sudden we got inspired to like look at some ads and think about things we'd seen at Homorama. And we actually decorated it to I where it looks so much kind of better. Stuff. I like it. It's like, why didn't we do that years ago? Yeah. But the reason I ask is because this month... We have the theme of May I, and I thought, what about May I Help You Improve Your Home? Oh, I like that. Because it's a big deal. There are so many home improvement shows out there now. Mm -hmm. Do you happen to watch any of those? I do not because we don't have satellite. So all I have is regular TV or I have YouTube or something like that. Although when I used to go and stay with my aunt occasionally, when we would go on trips together, I would stay with her the night before. She used to watch like Chip and Joanna. Oh, yeah. So... And, and and what's that couple's name? They got divorced, but he had thyroid oh, cancer. Tarek Taren. and Christina. Tarek and Christina. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw some of their stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I've also seen the memes where it's like, me and my, my wife is a, you know, catches butterflies and I own, I don't know, puppies and we have a million dollar budget. You're like, what? These people that are on these <laughs> yes, shows that yes. say. That, that <laughs> We're have, looking for a home in yeah. the $750,000 range. Yes. And, yes. and they, the stuff they do for the living is like, what? <laughs> yeah, I've seen those. What am I doing wrong? I don't know. What's one of the, even if you didn't watch it, in terms of your consciousness or awareness, what's one of the first or the earliest home improvement shows that you can remember coming Mm -hmm. across your radar? Well, Home Improvement with Tim Tim Allen. Which was based on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, This Old House. Yeah, This Old House. Awesome. We're going we're gonna to be coming back to that one. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I have actually, I don't think I've, I don't think you would call me a fan or like a, what's the word, a serious viewer of yeah. any home improvement show, but I've definitely dabbled with a lot of them. Everything from the one you mentioned, Chip and Joanna Gaines's Fixer Upper, to the Property Brothers, oh, to yeah. the one actually that you also referenced with Tarek and Christina is called Flipper Flop. Flipper Flop, mm-hmm. right, right. And they were always getting in fights. 
<laughs> they were always fighting. You could tell it was coming. Yeah. Love it or list it. Do you remember that one? I know the title. I don't remember. You know, one that I'm watching right now on YouTube is Big House. Shoot, I'm going to get the title wrong. Sorry, people who love this show. Big House, Small Dreams. No, that's wrong. Small Dream. I forget. Is, is, it, is it about tiny houses? Yes. yes. That is my newest obsession. And me who has all this stuff, I'm like, how do they do it? What do they do? I love watching that thing. I'll try to put a link in the show notes of the correct name, but it's tiny house, big living. I don't know. It's something fascinating. Well, and just to kind of piggyback on that, yeah. it's interesting because we're getting ready to talk about kind of the whole history of this home improvement genre. One of the ways that they've kept it relevant is trying to be aware of the different interests of their audience mm-hmm. or when they feel like they've got they've saturated this a little bit like where could we go next that might draw people in and that idea of going to tiny houses was one of the responses you know one of the things I think it's a great idea Mm -hmm. as you get into retirement age and it's it's downsizing I like it well with this theme of may I help you improve your home I thought I would share a little bit of the research because It's been big for a long time now. We both know that. Mm -hmm. But I was interested in knowing if the pandemic affected it at all. And so from a Forbes article that was published just this past March, here's what they said. While the COVID-19 pandemic caused and continues to cause stress, trauma, and devastation, if there is one positive to take from it, it may be this. Americans have learned not to take their homes for granted. Mm. Despite the labor and materials shortages and increased costs for remodels and upgrades, home improvement projects have persisted and at a rate that is higher than ever. So Mm. it's been huge through the pandemic. 2020 research by Harvard University researchers said that it was a record-breaking year for home improvement. Improvement. Americans spent nearly $420 billion on Whoa. home improvement projects, and they speculated that having been required to stay inside for so many months, that Americans decided they needed their homes to be more functional, more yeah. comfortable, more livable. And then a lot of people moved, too. That's you true. know, the whole thing with the, you put your house on the market, and it like sold immediately. That that's was so happening true. a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of people maybe looked around and go, you know, I don't really like living here. So yeah. that's interesting. And I'm sure the economy played a yeah. part in that, too. Yeah. But also, I know personally, my sister now has kind of converted part of her living room, her great room, to an office space ah, because she's, she's still doing quite a bit of work mm-hmm. from home. So that's affected her house. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people are in that situation. An NPR article mentioned another contributing factor. They think that a lot of people took the extra money they were saving during the pandemic on things like childcare, eating out, trips that got canceled, entertainment you couldn't right. go to, and they ha- or stimulus checks. Right. You know, and they took this extra money and they decided to put that towards home projects. I like that. That's a good idea. Mm -hmm. It's using your money wisely. So 2021, same thing. We have continued to to spend more and more and they predicted that throughout the rest of 2022 it's going to continue. So this is our this is our trend, right? Now what they said was even more shocking is that the U.S. has spent all this money despite the fact that we haven't had the materials. Remember some of those foreign materials that we would normally use, those construction materials, we have not been able to get. So Mm. we have been relying heavily on American-made supplies, and we've had a basically a massive shortage is what you would probably call it. But 
still all of this has continued, which brings us to something that I'm going to come back to later. Not only do we have a shortage of materials, but we really have a shortage on tradespeople. Mm-hmm. We do. Yeah. And that's something that Forbes dug into quite a bit and kind of made me a little concerned. So we'll come back to that one. Okay. But but that's kind of setting the stage for how this is so prevalent. Okay. Right? So for me personally, one of the reasons why I was inspired to do this episode was because of what's happening near me. Oh, okay. Have you heard about this? LaGrange has been chosen for a very exciting HGTV project. Do you know uh, about this? I know. I, I, I think I've heard it, but I don't know much about it. Okay, well, let me share it with you. All right. Well, first of all, let's just say several places in, in Kentucky over the years have been chosen to be featured on different HGTV makeover shows. For example, I think the most famous example is when Extreme Home Makeover gave the makeover to Patrick Henry Hughes and yeah. his family. Do you remember that one? Vaguely, yes. They did that because he's blind, correct? Mm-hmm. So they adapted his home for him. Is that yes, right? Yes, yes. Okay. He is a blind, multi-instrumental musician okay. who... In terms of coming across my radar, it was when I saw all the news reports and feature articles about how his dad would negotiate his wheelchair for him so that he could perform in the U of L marching band. Mm. Yeah, super cool story, very inspirational. But they did the makeover of his house back in 2007, and that that to me was a big one. But since then, Kentucky hasn't, in terms of my awareness, been featured very much on HGTV until recently. They have a new show called Hometown Kickstart and it's hosted by husband and wife Ben and Aaron Napier and this premise for the show is that they're going to take this small number of small towns nationwide and try to kind of kickstart them by giving them a little bit of a makeover. LaGrange was already beautiful. It is beautiful and it's historic and Mm -hmm. it's got it's so quaint. Mm -hmm, It is. But I think they're gonna spice it up even more. Okay. So a quote from Ben was, Aaron and I have renovated more than 80 homes in Laurel for Hometown. That's their original HGTV show. And we've seen how these improvements change a community for the better. Now, with help from HGTV, we're going to continue what we started and help more small towns across the country. So the pattern is any of the small towns chosen, and I believe it's six per season that they choose, gets the same three things. A renovation team is sent in, and this renovation team consists of a couple of people from other HGTV shows. So every small town gets kind of a different person or a different pair who are in charge of of making over their town. But this renovation team comes in, and they make over a home that belongs to one local resident who is making a difference in the community. Oh, that's nice. They give an upgrade to one business that is part of that small town, and they invigorate one public space so you get three things and also people magazine who's behind this they agree to like share stories about the town and some of the people so you you get featured Mm -hmm. in order to win lagrange had to apply as did thousands of other towns across america they submitted these applications and lagrange was chosen they had this post put out by the lagrange you know tourist site and so they were super excited all this has happened just within the last like three or four months. Yeah, aren't they moving the courthouse too? They are. Yeah, they are. That is fascinating Lots to me. How did you move a courthouse? I don't That's know. A really good question. Yeah. So the people who are in charge of doing the makeover in LaGrange are Windy City Rehabs, Allison Victoria, and Joe Mazza of 
Home Inspector Joe's. Those are two different shows that are apparently on HGTV. Windy City, does that mean she's from Chicago? I'm assuming yes, although to be honest, I've never seen that show. Okay. But they were the designers who were given the task of taking on LaGrange. The episode is slated to air on May 15th. Ooh. Of course, we are taping this. We're recording this on April 30th. Mm -hmm. So I thought what we could do, actually, is one or both of us could put a little epilogue at the end of this episode after we've had a chance to watch it so we can share some of our impressions with everybody. Because we know, right? (laughs) We'll be able to judge whether they did a good enough job or not. (laughs) Yes, yes. That's a good place to put that. Pull armchair all over the place. (laughs) We will. (laughs) But, okay, I had a fail. What? I tried I tried to do a little investigative work. I drove over to LaGrange this morning to see if I could find the rumor has it. Uh-huh. Rumor has it that the reinvigorating a, a public space for LaGrange is consisting of a new mural that they've created. Really? And I was I'm thinking I'm going to be able to find this yeah, mural yeah. and see it. I mean, it has to yeah. be in some public space. Well, I didn't have a long time to look around, but I wasn't able to find it with a quick little look. But that's my impression. And I am speculating because it was chosen and it is labeled as the kindness capital of Kentucky. Rumor has it that kindness is also somehow incorporated. Oh, because of those little be be kind. Mm -hmm. Oh, those be kind signs. So for our listeners who don't know, here's why LaGrange is called the kindness capital of Kentucky. A little backstory. Back in 2019, there were two sisters who were Reagan and Rylan Richens. And it's kind of a little iffy. Reagan was either 10 or 11 when they started this and Rylan was eight, but they started making and selling yard signs that said, be kind. Mm -hmm. And all the proceeds that they got, they donated to charity. Mm -hmm. They were inspired by something they'd seen being done in a different state. This campaign took off. I mean, even today, you can see signs yeah, you do. all around Oldham County that you say do. be kind. They're at, they're at all the schools. I mean, yeah. they're everywhere. So this inspired one of the LaGrange City Council women to propose to the city council that they proclaim LaGrange as Kentucky's kindness capital. The vote was unanimous, and the mayor signed the official proclamation in November of 2019. And you could actually now see a sign from I-71 as you drive to the city that says, Welcome to LaGrange, kindness capital of Kentucky. That's so neat. I know. So we'll put pictures of the girls and that sign on our website. And once we get a look at it, we'll put a picture of that mural, too. Should it be a mural? You Should could it be, be a mural. Mu- the rumors could be wrong. But, well, whatever it may be, we'll put those pictures up. All right. But I think I digressed a little bit. This is what inspired me to want to do this episode. So more later on what actually happened with LaGrange. But let's talk about the history of home improvement. Okay. You foreshadowed it. I did? You did. This old house? This old Was house it the first? Started it all. No kidding. Yeah. What was Tell his name? Me, Bob? Bob Vila? Bob Vila. Tell me what you know. Have you actually watched it or are you just familiar with it? I actually watched it. Well, I don't remember a lot about it. Just I just remember they had little houses and then when they went to commercial, one little room went into the house. Isn't that weird? That's what you remember. That's what I remember. <laughs> and lots of tools and hammering and I don't know. Yeah, that's just what I remember. Just Bob Vila. Well, and I didn't, I forgot to look this up. Was it truly this old house that inspired the sitcom Home Improvement? I don't know. I'm assuming so, but it I'm, would make sense. I'm just making that inference. Could yeah. be, could be Let's very say wrong yes. about that. Okay. That's now, that's now <laughs> canon. That's now the truth. You heard it here. So this old house is widely regarded by everyone to be the OG of home improvement shows. It is a PBS show mm-hmm. that started more than 40 years ago. Whoa. Can you believe that? Here's a quote from one of the sources. Every program on HGTV arguably owes its existence to this old house 
which first turned home renovation and real estate into television. Without it, viewers might never have gotten Property Brothers or Fixer Upper or probably even House Hunters International. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Bob Vila is the grandfather of it all. Who would have thought? So when this old house launched, nobody would have predicted its success or the fact that it would actually launch the new genre. Like it started mm-hmm. the genre, mm-hmm. right? It was a 13 episode season. Again, it was in 1979. And it First, it was just meant to be something for the Boston area. It was only accessible to local residents via WGBH. But it was popular with the viewers. Almost 250,000 of them tuned in every week to watch it. Well, it was new. It was, you know? And it was so different. Yeah. And, I mean, it is fascinating. Are you one of those people like me? Like, Kirk and I will, we will love... You can't do it as much as you used to, but we would love to stop at a house that was being built Mm. and walk through it. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. You never, you weren't one of those people. My grandma loved to walk through houses (laughs) because my grandma did it. We're like, no, we're not going to do it. No, I'm one of those people that watches the YouTube stuff. Like I want to have a screened in porch. So you watch the video and you're like, I could never do this. Or, oh, that doesn't look too hard. And then I have no idea how to do it. You know, it's just that kind of stuff. (laughs) You either get scared away or get this false confidence. Like, like, oh, Brian, that's not too hard. You can do that. (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) That's awesome. So this, again, we had all these people tuning in to watch it. And this surge of interest caused them to put this old house into their primary PBS lineup the next year. And it has remained there ever since. Mm, It's still on? It's not Bob anymore, though, right? I did not look it up to see if Bob is still there. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't believe so. I did did look up the current cast, and it, it did not list him. Yeah. One of the things that they mentioned was even after all this time, it stayed pretty true to its original intent and format. Hmm. Yeah, an overview of the show, in case you've never seen it, which I will be honest, I had never seen it, but I purposefully watched part of an episode just to get a flavor this week. But the overview says, this Emmy-winning home improvement series takes the mystery and fright factors out of remodeling and carpentry chores. It follows one whole house renovation over several episodes and features tradesmen Norm Abram, Tom Silva, Richard Trethaway and Roger Cook, along with host Kevin O'Connor. So there's where I did not see Bob Vila listed. And I looked up just to find out what these people's roles were. Norm Abram is apparently the master carpenter. Tom Silva is the contractor. Roger Cook is a gardener. Richard Trethaway is the plumber. And Kevin O'Connor is the host. Okay, it's kind of reminding me, this brought back a memory, but in 2020, we were redoing my grandparents' cabin once my mom inherited it. You know, my grandpa Mm -hmm. passed away. And for a short time, I was recording all of our renovations until the boys were just like you gotta stop (laughs) but I was trying to do a weekly episode of what we were trying you know kind of like our own hometown oh renovation show you could have done something with that if you'd continued the footage probably yeah but we didn't so each episode from this old house still zeroes in on a few elements of home construction everything from maybe installing a skylight to shoring up a foundation and they take you through the process in depth Mm. So you get to see that process and the craftsmanship behind that work. So for example, one episode overview from last season, I looked it up just to see how do these things read. So it was listed as reinstalling the upper cabinets, hot water and heating, shopping for appliances, tile installation and window trim. That's all real important stuff. Yeah. 
it was pointed out in this one article I was reading that this show is very different from what we see in home improvement shows today. Mm-hmm. This article said, quote, these programs often unfold like reality TV-esque heroes journeys yeah. with the hosts figuring as creative geniuses who marshal old or otherwise sad houses through a rapid fire rehabilitation and beautification process. Mm. This old house, meanwhile, has no single star and little concern for dramatic narrative arcs. Its chief goal is, as it has always been, to put skilled tradespeople and the work they do in front of the camera. I just had an idea for a reality TV show. What's that? It's going to combine two of our episodes, too. So the people from the hoarders' houses (laughs) that need renovation. Ah. So they match them up with these other people that can renovate houses. And like we just watched when we did our Mm -hmm. hoarders' episode, it renewed my fervor for wanting to watch hoarders. So Brian and I watched a couple episodes on Netflix. And the second home that they featured was, and it's going to be off next, Netflix by the time this airs, so I'm sorry. But it was a second home, and it was like from the early 1900s. It was this mm. three-story beautiful house, yeah. and the lady who had hoarded it mm. for so many years, they ended up not being able to salvage it. Oh. So can you imagine if you matched up these, oh, once yeah. they cleaned out the house, they have all this damage. If you could match that up with some people who could restore stuff, yeah. then you got the salaciousness, well, I don't know what a nicer way to say it, but the intrigue of the hoarders plus the restoration of the home. There you go. There's your reality show. That would be a lot of satisfaction if you could help these people yes. with this mental illness yes. that they're dealing with, but also... It could be like a two-parter. Yeah. So you got the hoarders episode, they get it all cleaned up, and then the other people are the second episode, and they mm. fix it. I like it. I am copywriting that idea. Contact (laughs) me. (laughs) You guys do the work. I just give you the idea. Well, this quote that was from that article kind of spoke to me because, again, it's not like I'm an HGTV super fan, but I've seen enough of it that I could totally relate. Yeah. They do make the hosts or the stars of the these HGTV shows into basically celebrities. They yeah. are they are the stars yeah. of this story. The like every yeah, every mm-hmm. episode's kind of a story mm-hmm. and it's really about them. And you'll see things in the background. They you know, the work will happen but, but it's not featured. No. It you doesn't don't see show you how, how it's done. It's like little montages or you'll walk mm-hmm. in and you'll see that something new has happened. But it's that the work is secondary. Right. I mean I'm super excited to see the before and after. Yeah. But the work is just kind of in the background. Yeah. Whereas, based on this description of this old house and what little I've seen of it, it's really about the work. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't have the stars, you know, the celebrities. Something super cool that they're doing. Coming back to that point we made earlier about the lack of tradespeople, we are seeing a huge shortage with that. This old house recognizes that. And so one of the things that they've been doing, I'm not sure how far back this goes, but it's been in more recent years, is they started a program called Generation Next Initiative. Oh. They bring young apprentices on their show and they devote time on the show to these apprentices. They show the teaching with them, their work they're doing, they're highlighting them. And the whole thing, it's a broad program that's aimed at recruiting more people to the trades. I like that. Yeah. They said that they specifically are trying to counter the U.S. labor shortage mm-hmm. by making carpentry and other hands-on professions more accessible to both young men They're and so women. They're so vital. And it's scary to think about all these different professions and needs we have that are just that, going away, that are going away, or that no, nobody's pursuing. Mm-hmm. So the generation next. Oh, I do have a year. It started apparently in 2017. Okay. So this is a way that they are putting the apprentices 
on the show, but also providing them with training and national television exposure, which is drawing more people in. Mm -hmm. And a quote from Tom Silva was, there's every reason to go into the building trades today. If you are good, you will absolutely have work. Yes, you will. The Bureau of Labor Statistics forecasts that we have lots of openings coming up in a variety of fields, including plumbers, glaziers, and masons. Yeah. It's all over the place. If you are good and trustworthy, you will never lack for work mm-hmm. and will show up on time. Yeah. And actually work show ethic up. means a lot. Actually show Absolutely. up. Yeah. We've had a lot of, uh, we've been, my mom's been doing some work on the farm and that's another thing is you will call and get an estimate and they will just never come. <sighs> just don't come. That's been one of the hardest things is just getting people to actually show up, not even getting to their actual work ethic. It's just being there. Yeah, that's not good. No. No. Well, to wrap up this portion on this old house, it's gone on for so long and it's been so popular that there's a spinoff TV show called Ask This Old House in which the cast helps homeowners with smaller scale repairs and upgrades. They have a This Old House magazine. They have a Twitter account. They have a huge following. Oh. It's, it's still big after That's all really cool. these years. We'll have to follow them on Twitter. Well, before we move on, should we take a break? Let's do it. Hi guys, Ashley and I have realized we are seven months into Scandal Water. We want to say a quick thank you to our listeners. We are so grateful for you. One quick favor, your ratings and reviews make such a difference. If you could take just a moment to go onto Apple Podcast or whatever your favorite podcatcher might be and leave us a rating or review, it would be much appreciated. And we are back. And ready to talk about HGTV. Mm. Yeah. So believe it or not, in the early 1990s, when Kenneth Lowe, who was the man who conceived of the idea of HGTV, when he came out with this idea, still this old house was really the only show out there that was like this in this kind of genre, I guess you would call it. There was a quote where he said, home building and home design 20 years ago was this deep, dark mystery. People just didn't understand it. And a lot of what HGTV has done is educate the public. It used to be just shelter. You need a home? Now it's more about what's my lifestyle? What's Mm. my family's lifestyle? Mm -hmm. And how's my home going to best fit and serve it? And how can I design it? So he basically changed. Yeah, he changed our whole view of Ah. homes is one of the things that he's proud of in terms of creating HGTV. So it started with, he was there as a general manager for this company called EW Scripps Companies. It was actually a set of radio stations. And he called himself a frustrated architect. He enjoyed working on and building houses and he didn't really know where to go with it. So he saw this opportunity where he could marry his hobby and this industry of home building with the television format. Mm. And so he proposed it. He pitched his idea. And in 1993, he was given $25 million. Wow. Could somebody just give me $25 million? (laughs) I promise I'll do something wonderful with it. (laughs) All right. If you're listening listening out there uh, you yeah. have remember million. that idea i had about the hoarders meets the the restor- restoration give me the 25 million i will make it happen <laughs> well he decided he was going to put it into this home and garden television and in december of 1994 hgtv went live some of its earliest shows were room by room dream builders gardening by the yard and kitty bartholomew's your home But one article commented that part of its popularity was its perfect timing. That's a lot of everything, you know, perfect Mm -hmm. timing. Timing is location, 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 but also timing is everything. Yeah, true. Well, timing for them was amazing because they came out at a time when 
we were popping up with some of these, you know, big stores like Home Depot and Lowe's and the two things kind of melded together, right? So in 1994, Home Depot had a net sales of 12.47 million. By 2018, it was 108.2 billion. Oh my gosh. Lowe's went from 6.1 million in 1994 to 71.3 billion in 2018. That's insane. Yeah. So, I mean, HGTV and this whole market economy and people, all of these things came together, this perfect storm of causing this industry to skyrocket. Yeah. Not only did HGTV cause home improvement projects to increase and, you know, home repair, obviously, but it created a lot of stars. I did not look this up, but just from my background knowledge, we've talked already about Chip and Joanna Gaines. I know that they started on that show, but have since had at least one book. She's got a magazine now. She's got a magazine, a furniture line. Yeah. I think some of her stuff's now being sold at Target. Yeah. They have a Magnolia network. No way. Like a TV channel? I believe it's a whole, yeah, it's a whole network. That's incredible. Yeah. So it's it's had a lot of impact on not just, you know, finances in people's houses, but also on stardom. Yeah. You know, They're super cute, too. Yeah. They said in one article that Ty Pennington, who's famous for a couple of different HGTV shows, mm-hmm. is now considered a design and product influencer. So it's, it's changed a lot of people's lives. Yeah. Going back to our man who started HGTV, however, Kenneth Lowe, here's something that he's happy about. He said, quote, the emotional connective side of this is why I started the network. Was there a business here? Yeah. Did it turn out to be a heck of a business? Yeah. But success for me was going to be, could people tap into this and could it impact their lives? Mm. And I would have to say it succeeded beyond my wildest expectations. Good job, Kenneth. I like that motivation. Mm -hmm. Now, on the downside. Oh, dear. All right, we have a few cautions. This came up kind of across the different formats or or resources I used to research, sometimes shows, websites, magazines, whatever. But I heard some some of the downside. One thing, and this actually came from Kenneth himself. He he it's similar to what you said a minute ago about what? watching these shows and being like, I can do oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I can't. No, yeah. I can't. <laughs> Silly girl. <laughs> <laughs> he jokes about the fact that like sometimes contractors or builders will complain that HGTV is killing them because everybody has all these ideas of what can be done yeah. that aren't necessarily <laughs> yeah. realistic but then or they can in the get budget. A, but then you know what? they can come in and fix it so there you go it's (laughs) improved you can get a job and fixing what they did was that uh there's something like there should be another business called like we fix what you can't (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's good yeah and uh, on the flip side rather than you know doing this to the builders or the contractors there's also this whole group of people who take on these projects as you said and then really don't know how to do it or don't know how to do it well yeah that's don't understand that they do need some advice or some skilled labor to help them with skill or just skill it's just skill right skill also, in terms of some of these actual HGTV shows, there have been some problems. There have been exi- allegations, for example, that some of the renovation shows left the homes in worse shape oh. than they were when they started. Ooh. There have been some lawsuits. Ooh. For example, in 2016, there was a lawsuit filed by two homeowners who claimed that the show Love It or List It had irreparably damaged their home. I mean, there's lots of other examples. Who's, that was who just one. Which one's the Love they It or List the It They are the ones people? where, I think their names are Hillary and David, mm-hmm. and there's a home that the family's unhappy with. And so Hillary comes in, she asks them what they envision, and sh- her job is to renovate the home and try to get them to stay in that 
at home. Okay. While David's job is to take them to see all these other homes that seem to fit what they want. And he wants them to list their home and buy the one that he's showing them. So it's it's a competition between the two of them. Pretty much. Every time it's kind of like this suspenseful moment. Are they they going to love it or are they going to list it? Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but again. And is that the one where sometimes if she renovates, the people are like, that is not what I wanted. Sometimes. Okay. Yes. Or, Or what invariably happens in the ones that I've watched is that they want more than they can afford Uh, or she'll get into it and then she'll have to come back and say hey can't give you this room or the you know because we had we found a foundation problem over here you know that type of thing another example um extreme makeover homes that left the families facing hardships for example they couldn't afford it they couldn't pay the upkeep they could the utility bills i mean so they ended up having to sell losing their house after they this beautiful home, you know, oh, built oh. for them. On Fixer Upper, we had some clients who mentioned having challenges like having their home become a tourist attraction oh. and being bothered by everybody who was coming to see it because it was televised and oh. now it was kind of this famous space. Okay. And that's the Chip and Joanna one? That is Fixer the, Upper. Yes. Okay. And another complaint similar to that from Fixer Upper clients was that people in the neighborhood were upset with them because their home basically drove up like taxes for everybody. Oh. It raised maybe the profile of that little neighborhood area. Yeah. So not just affected them, but some of their neighbors were unhappy with them. Mm. And then I'm not picking on Chip and Joanna. It just happened to be some of the examples in front of me. But that same network that we were talking about, it's been in the news recently that they had to pull a new show off the Magnolia Network because of complaints. They had a show that came out called Homework, hosted by Candace and Andy Meredith. This was just back in, I think, 2020. And it was meant to be a 13-episode that would show different renovations happening. And then one homeowner posted on Instagram that she went from being, this is her words, Magnolia's most loyal supporter to a victim of their growth and greed. And she, her complaint was that her kitchen renovation was done so poorly, she had to fix things to even just live. That was her quote. And then after she came out with that, two other homeowners who were involved in that same show, that same project, also posted on Instagram about their complaints. Oh, dear. I know. And so a few of the complaints from them were prices going way up above what had originally been quoted or sending money for a down payment and then the work not getting started even months after it was promised to be started. Now, to be fair, the hosts, Candace and Andy, they, they said they felt like this some of this was unfairly portrayed mm-hmm. and that nobody knew the full story and there were certain things they couldn't share, all that mm-hmm. type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And there were some of the other families who posted positive things okay. about their experiences. Yeah. However, this led to the show getting pulled from the Magnolia Just too much. Yeah. So, some positives, some negatives. Yeah, yeah. Which leads us to our armchair. Okay, what is it? Armchair Psychologist. Just the basic, what are your thoughts about the value of the home improvement industry in general? I think, I often go back to this phrase, meaning myself too, but know thyself. So I think that you need to do your home improvement with an eye of what can we truly afford? Mm -hmm. Don't, in this case, don't aim for the moon, guys. You know, can you only afford the stars? Can you only afford the trees? You know, whatever level you can afford. Just don't overshoot it. Mm -hmm. Do a little bit at a time if you can't take it 
a room at a time if you can. I just feel like you should know your limits, know what you can do, but also think it's really valuable in that it teaches you stuff. Mm -hmm. So what if you, with this old house, going back to that, Mm -hmm. what if you don't have anybody in your life that can show you how to do things Mm -hmm. and you can save money by doing it yourself and you take it realistically and go, okay, I know how to do this now and you do it and you're able to save money that way. Mm -hmm. I think there's value in it. It helps people learn. People who may not know how to do design, it's kind of like Pinterest. You can go to Mm -hmm. Pinterest and see all these pictures and go, oh, I like that. That gives me an idea for this or that. I, I like it. I think it's valuable. I just think it's don't get caught up in the celebrity of it mm-hmm. or the overreaching of it. Yeah. Does that make no, sense? No, I like that. Actually, I, I had a similar thought as you were talking. I was agreeing with you because overall, I think it's positive. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. It's free instruction. Mm-hmm. It's free inspiration. It's motivated me to do some things that I wouldn't have otherwise done, mm-hmm. such as redecorating our front porch. Right. I, right. And, I, and it makes me, it's a happier space for yes. me now. It actually makes a difference in yes, how I does. feel. So I think overall it's positive, but I agree with what you're saying. I think the problem comes when keeping up with the Joneses, yeah. like one to to just be happy with your own yeah, space maybe as you said shoot a little too high mm-hmm. or this has really made me think about the entertainment aspect of it I think what we're trying to tease out here is the instructional yeah. inspirational side of it versus the entertainment side not that entertainment is bad we, we no. both know that we are yeah. we love the entertainment industry but I think when I think about the negatives that I shared some of those examples I think those were instances when it was more about we want to tell this story that's going to emotionally touch you or that's going to very much impress you versus we want to do a solid job with yes. this house and this home improvement yes. or meeting this family's needs. Yeah, they I think got... it goes back to your fellow that started HGTV and his quote where he talked about what he why he started it and what mm-hmm. he really wanted to do with it, which is, I forget the total quote, but uh, something along the lines of, did it turn into a great business? Yeah, but he really wanted to impact people. Yes, and their lives. And their lives. There you go. That's the genesis of it. Which then leads to if you've negatively impacted Mm -hmm. people in their lives, then that's really doing an injustice Mm -hmm. to the intent of this whole genre. Right. And why did it happen? Greed. Yeah. You go back to the, why did all of this happen? Why did the negative stuff happen? It can probably be traced back to greed on one one or both of the parties. I don't know. One or the other or both parties. Yeah. Any way you look at it, it shouldn't happen. So, no. so I guess overall, I mean, I think it's pretty evident by the fact that I've watched parts of like six or seven different shows. <laughs> I mean, I, I do think it's entertaining. I do enjoy it. I'm glad it's there as a reference when I mm-hmm. need it. But I think, I think you've asked before, you know, what do we learn from this? Mm-hmm. That it's always about the people yeah. and the purpose. And, yeah. and if we stick to that, then we're going to be okay. Yeah. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Hi guys, it's Candy again. As we promised, here's a quick epilogue. All right, Ashley, I'm excited. Yes, ma'am. I got to see the show Sunday night. HGTV's hometown kickstart, the LaGrange edition, came out. And it was really uplifting. Was it? It really made me feel good. I recognize some of the people. Kirk actually teaches one of the little Be Kind sisters. He teaches math to her. He said, adorable children. He Mm. said, so sweet. But So I I recognize some people. That was nice, but that was just a bonus. Mm -hmm. What really made me feel good was seeing how... How well the town was represented. Rep- was represented. Mm. You saw it for this beautiful, quaint, friendly, welcoming place, which is what it is. Which is what it is. And for it to be presented that way on national TV, mm-hmm. for the kindness of these people to be 
shown and celebrated to get to see the happiness. Their areas of makeover were, as we predicted. As you predicted. There was a mural, ah. which the girls, the Be Kind sisters, did actually get to design. Now, they, they brought what? their ideas. These kids are amazing. Mm-hmm. They asked the two girls to come up with their idea, and then they took it and they ran with it. Mm. But it the idea came from... From these two sisters. And they're gonna be like design wizards. And the cutest thing was it says be kind. And they the girls had this idea. They said, leave the eye for people to stand there to be the eye in the be kind. My goodness, that's genius. So you and I are going to go out to that mural and we're going to take a picture of ourselves okay. standing there in the eye. We're gonna be the eye in kind. We're gonna be the eye in kind. Nice. So that was lovely. Then the home that they made over was this family, in particular the mom mm-hmm. who would take in kids. She she took care of children for mm-hmm. essential workers during COVID. Oh, that's nice. So that they could go out and they could take care of others. Mm-hmm. And my understanding, if I recall correctly, she was taking it for no pay or very little pay. Oh, wow. This was just a service. Oh, wow. So they made her home child-friendly, beautiful. Mm. They were very deserving. That was wonderful. So the final project involved, you know, kind of this broader area, public space. Mm-hmm. And it was originated by one of the town leaders. This lady wanted to kind of expand LaGrange, open it up as a place where people could enjoy the public spaces more. Because again, if they're the kindness capital. Mm -hmm. She wanted it to be a place where people could hang out. So she has this idea of kind of renovating the alleys so that they could be spaces where people could shop. They could could sit down and enjoy games together. They could socialize. So taking her idea, there was this one particular spot in this alley loop where they took just this kind of space that was muddy, Mm -hmm. not much there, and they transformed it into a place. They took some old horse trailers they mm-hmm. converted it into, they called them pop-up stands. It was kind of like kiosk where you could set up businesses. They okay. had a fire pit. They had paved it. It was just beautiful. It was just a wonderful space. So that was their final project. How long did all this take? I believe they said they had six weeks to do it. Oh, that's fast. It was a lot of work. Of course, they featured some people Mm -hmm. from the area that they pulled in to help them with some of their projects. So Mm -hmm. that was nice, too. That is nice. Yeah. It just, it was very uplifting. Very cool. Good job, LaGrange. Oh, and one correction. I believe, I don't know if it's a correction so much as a clarification. I went and found the sign in LaGrange that identifies them as the kindness capital of Mm -hmm. Kentucky. And it's actually, as you take exit 22 and you kind of head into LaGrange, I believe it's kind of like right there where you see the McDonald's. So if you're looking for the sign, guys, exit 22. Is Is it a billboard? Yes, just kind of a stand-up type sign. And once we locate exactly where that mural is, because I still have not tracked that down, (laughs) We'll put that on our... Yeah, it may not make it for this week, but we'll do it eventually. So I know who we should cheers. Okay. There are a lot of very worthy candidates. Yes. But none of them would be here without Mr. Bob Vila, Hmm. who started this, or the people in that show. Yes, the Secondarily, Kenneth Lowe, who started the channel and who had that great idea and just wanted to do it for the people. I love it. Cheers to you, boys. Cheers to you. This episode of Scandal Water was executive produced by Candy Thomas, that's me, and Ashley Raymer Brown. That's me. It was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown. All music was written, composed, performed, and mixed by Josh Martin. The artwork was designed by Matt C. Adams. While our website was developed by Joshua Reith. 
If you like what you hear and you want to help keep the Scandal Water brewing, please go to our website, scandalwaterpodcast.com. Just click on your podcatcher of choice, then hit follow to subscribe. And while you're there, you might as well leave us a five-star rating and review. And don't forget, it's always more fun when you share your tea with others. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the host during each episode of Scandal Water are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening.